Welcome to the Run Culture Podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I'm an experienced runner and running physiotherapist. I created this podcast not only so I had an excuse to talk running each and every week, something that I love to do, but more importantly, this podcast gives me the opportunity to interview fellow runners, friends and health professionals in a relaxed and easygoing format. This podcast is designed for the everyday runner, so we can all live, learn, grow and enjoy everything there is to running together. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, it's Dane Verway here and um, two days after the Two Bays Trail Run, something that I've been building up for for the last eight weeks and I've been documenting on my podcast. So I just wanted to debrief on how it went and I had an absolute blast. So I ended up running four hours and one minute and 34 seconds, about 57 seconds short of Ash Watson's race record. And so I I did the 56 kilometers in low four hours and, you know, to do a run that was 11 Ks further than I'd ever run and to do it in a time that when I was training, I wasn't too sure I'd be able to hold those 420s um, over that terrain, that 4 minute 20 per K over that terrain, over half a seat and up and back again for that long and to actually do it and uh, uh, to prove to yourself that you could do it. That was one of the most gratifying parts of the whole experience. And I mean, I've looked at who's won this event in the, over the past years and always looked on admirably at, say, Dion Finocciario, Ash Watson and, and many others that have done the 56K here and, and just, just thought, oh, wow, that person is so, so tough. They must have been they're so fit and, and so mentally um, strong. And, you know, to be that crazy person this year um yeah that was well that was pretty cool and just to prove to myself that I could do it um it was um quite quite opening quite eye-opening to um to to know that you can run across the Mornington Peninsula and then back again in four hours um and over sort of pretty rough terrain and over half a seat so it was kind of cool to know you could do that and it's kind of cool to say that I can do it in the future um so yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy and it was a very long way. And I suppose I, I wanted to go over the race play by play and and I probably wanted to start the, the day before, um, so on the Saturday. So this is the first day after the last podcast that I, I, um, I did last week. And um, I woke up in the morning and went to training with uh, Jess Dunsmore, one of the athletes I coached, and watched him do an 800-metre time trial and then watched um, Gemma Maney train at Ballon Park. And Jess ran really well, did two minutes flat um, by himself. And and then he did a 10-minute tempo. And, and then I uh, had a few of my other um, boys that I'm coaching uh, for the Run Culture Hours run, Hastings Park run together. And, and they ran so well together and paced Joel McGill to – a great time. He broke 17 for the first time, did a 17 second PB and ran uh, 16.45. So it was a great start to Saturday morning and then pretty much just got home and um, relaxed really. Um, Jess and I took it real easy, just knowing that, um, 
you know, the next morning was going to be pretty tough and it was quite um, scary to know. It was, it was a bit surreal, really, to know that you're going to run uh, 56 Ks the next day. So I don't know. I, I probably wasn't trying to think about it too much. I, I suppose I did my final preparations um, during that day. So shaved the legs, uh, trimmed the moustache, uh, cut the toenails, got my Vaseline out, got my clothes ready, got the Band-Aids out, uh, made sure all my drinks were right. So got um, three 500ml soft flasks um, filled with Tailwind and and then filled up a few extra um, little mini bottles of Coke um, just because I I knew that I'd probably like to have that late in the race. Um, Then I got sunscreen out, just did all the fine little things. Um, Actually cut around my Run Culture logo in the back of my singlet um, a few weeks before. And um, so that was pretty cool. I thought it was going to be really hot, um, like a 30 degree day. And in preparation, I did that just to have a real breathable singlet. But I thought it looked quite cool. And um, I suppose I had to make sure that I performed pretty well wearing a singlet like that. Got my board shorts out, which arrived during the week. Got my um, socks socks out um, that arrived uh yeah, also um, a few weeks before, um, and they were both pretty cool sets of apparel. So the boardies uh, had little flamingos on them, and, and they were just this nice sort of silky material, so they were easy, to, easy enough to run in. And, um, yeah, socks sort of looked like trail running socks and matched pretty well with my Pegasus trail shoes. So I felt like I was all good to go, and, and then I finished off um, the book I'd been reading um, over the – last couple of weeks um this thriller uh and um yeah loved the book and it was just good to take their mind off the race um and anyway set the alarm uh, for uh 4 30 sunday morning woke up to the alarm had a shower put deep heat on the achilles um and put the vaseline everywhere got all my race kit sorted and on rugged up because it actually wasn't too warm it was a perfect sort of 22 degrees um for a top um sunday and it was probably only sitting at 13 or 14 degrees in the morning at that point and then jess and i were off at about what time 5 30 5 20 we left and and then we got to um cape shank lighthouse at um about uh five past six um and i gave jess my drinks and she set off and walked the little 6k journey from uh, Cape Shank Lighthouse uh, to Bonio Road where she was going to meet, um, oh, yeah, my, my mum, my, my dad, um, Sean, um, and then really strong family friends, Dave and Carmel Parker, uh, and, yeah, my brother, Sean, and, and his girlfriend, Libby. And they'd set out in two cars and they were going to um, help sort of give me drinks along the way and they were phenomenal support and I can't thank them enough for what they did on the day and anyway I I kind of skimmed over Saturday night for dinner uh we all all of us um all me and um the guys that I just mentioned caught up for pasta at Sophia's in Frankston and so had a really good sort of carb load leading into the race and that was you know on top of all the rice crackers and um soft drink and Gatorades and um, uh, carbs that I'd eaten the the two days before, and we also went back to mum and dad's and sort of discussed race strategy and where 
the best points in the course were going to be and what time I'd likely be at those points. So this was given that I was on track for a, a low four-hour um, race time. And uh, so they had a bit of a plan of attack. And anyway, the the race went off and, uh, yeah, I the gun went. And, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool atmosphere. Like everyone was like pretty low-key and casual. I sort of went out with John Dutton um, and, yeah, we sort of um, – got into a really nice rhythm together and it felt really cruisy. Like I remember doing some of my pace runs along this trail in, in the lead up and they just didn't feel as easy as I, as they felt um, Sunday. And yeah, I just felt super cruisy running with John felt like I was jogging. And then it was, it was really cool to look at the watch to see that it was just sitting at sort of four ten, four five um per K um, for that first six Ks. We sort of, got a bit of a lead on on the other guys so Jai Edmonds um let us go and and this Russian Russian guy all decked out in Russian kit let us go and uh, Matt um the guy who eventually eventually came through the field Matt Matt Whitten let us go and uh another guy ran for Hunter I think it was Josh uh yeah he he let us go so yeah, everyone just went at their own pace because it's a long way and um, it's hard to know how to pace it with all the hills and the rough terrain. Um, and, you know, acknowledging that it's going to be a four-hour run, it was a bit, um, yeah, I was a bit unsure at what pace to go. I just went at a pace that felt strong but felt easy. Um, so John and I got a good gap and uh, we went through Bonio Road at about 405s and I was just shocked at the amount of support at Bonio Road it was just you know so so good to have that support there and and it's not just the numbers of people it was how engaged those people were so I've certainly done runs where there's more people than there were at two bays competitors and supporters but these supporters and competitors were all about making as much noise and as much support and as caring as you could come across so it was the buzz that you could feel and and not many fun runs have that and so from what I understand, this is sort of a trail running thing and, uh, yeah, I like it. And, and I think, um, you know, more runs can be like that. And, you know, um, you know, talking to a few others since the event, uh, it's good to go, you know, encourage others because that energy feeds them and then that gives you energy. And um, it just makes everyone feel so good out there and um, gives everyone a buzz because everyone cares about how they're going. So now I could really feel that sense the whole event and that's something that I really took from the event and I really, really enjoyed. And then Dutton and I were off over the detour. Um, So we we ran that and John had never run it before so I was sort of talking him through it. He got a bit of a gap on me at a few points. Um, uh, He he would admit it himself, He, he is an excitable runner and you know, as soon as we would pass someone that was supporting us, he, he suddenly would put a surge in. Um, and I just know in the past he, he doesn't mind going out hard and, and really sort of getting, um, just enjoying the moment and just sort of like, um, if you're feeling good, make the most of it. So it was this nice combined effort because he had that history of going out too hard. And then I was sort of, I've probably like been more on the other end of the spectrum where I, I've, st- I've learnt over time that I run better if I am conservative early and strong late. And so we worked so well together and he probably also acknowledged that he came into the event with 
probably not as good a lead up as me. So he did a really good last four weeks, but it wasn't the eight weeks that I did. And so I could tell that after about 10K, he was starting to go, oh, hang on, calm, calm, calm the pace down a little bit. Um, it's a long way. I mean, we've still got, you know, at 16K, we've still got near on a marathon to go. Uh, so we're starting to talk like that together and we're starting to really, um, if someone got excited, just sort of go, oh, come on, come on, it's a long way and just remind each other. And, and that worked really well. We sort of tapered each other's enthusiasm. And so we did that as we sort of went from the 10K to the 16K through the detour along the fire track and through the sandy section of Green's Bush. And then it was onto Hislop's Road and this was a clear section where you could really gain some time quite easily. It was downhill on some nice surface and we started hitting some 320s and 330s for a couple of Ks. And half of that was because we were passing the 28K runners going the other way and, and they were so enthusiastic and supportive. I think all of the 1,000 competitors, every single one of them said something or you know offered some kind of enthusiastic smile or support or acknowledgement. And that was so appreciated um, but also like having to sort of acknowledge a thousand people in a short sort of space of, you know, 2K while you're trying to hammer it along at 3.23.30 pace was hard. So I apologize if I didn't give some people enough, <laughs> but I tried. And uh, yeah, then through that section, we were over Browns Road and um, then onto this yeah, oh, this is one of the toughest parts of the course, I reckon, in terms of incline. We went through this grassy section and uh, this down this steep downhill, but then up this sharp uphill, and uh, you sort of have to really go slow and just sort of crawl your way up. I think that was about a five minute K for John and I, and then we got back onto some gravel again and got motoring and um, onto the road, and then out the back through the boardwalk onto the edge of Arthur's Seat Reserve, and and that's when we came across. Um, the dam and uh, we went to the edge of the dam and then it was the hills that um, were Arthur's seat. So uh, we, John and I went off to the left and didn't go up the gravel and went up the dirt path and I think it was a great tactic and it was something that like I knew to do and had planned um, purely just from practicing the course. So just another advantage of practicing the course, like I really did benefit from the really thorough preparation I did because not only were my legs conditioned for the whole event and I felt like I really prepared well from that perspective, I was fit and strong enough, but also just not having that peace of mind that I knew where to go and I knew what line to take on the course um, was really nice. Like I could judge my effort really well because I knew every little corner um, of the course. So that hill, I knew it was going to be hard and I knew it was a 56k race. So whenever I had the hill like that, I was like, well, in a marathon, you don't want to just be suddenly thrown in surges because it comes back to bite you at the end of the race. So John and I sort of quickly chatted about that and we agreed. We're like, well, just don't completely gas ourselves up these hills. Um, but then looking back and reflecting on our splits up those hills, they were they were really impressive. And um, looking back on Strava and a few of the segments, um, we placed really highly. I think we were sort of second and third up some of those climbs and that was purely just having each other, pushing each other on. But at the same time, it felt controlled and, and we were able to recover our breath after those hills as we sort of came along the little track that goes on the edge of Arthur's seat where you get that amazing view 
of uh, yeah the coastline and was trying to enjoy that view. And then funnily enough, we had Craig Appleby, who I must add was just incredible. Not only did he see us down at um, Browns Road and Hislops Road and, and gave Johnny a drink and and I must admit that down there I also swapped um, my 500ml flask with another 500ml flask um, uh, with um, yeah uh, one of my good family friends, Dave, Dave Parker. And so just got to thank, um, you know, Dave, Carmel, um, yeah, Sean, Libby, um, Jess, uh, yeah, mum and dad, yeah, just for the support out there. It was just incredible because those little lifts every 10K or so really counted. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, anyway, Craig was up at the top of Arthur's seat somehow. I don't know how he got there. And he handed John another drink and he was going to wait there and give us sort of cups over our head of water um, once we returned from halfway. And so then John and I were tearing along and, and actually trying to be pretty conservative as well, like just acknowledging that there was a long way to go and let's not get too excited. So we sort of ran the downhill. Um, I was probably, to be honest, like I was probably more aggressive on the downhill, um, but I was getting pretty sore. So my feet were starting to burn, especially once we finished um, the really rocky section and um, that 1K sort of downhill in on the stairs and the dirt trails of Arthur Seat that gets down to La Trobe Parade. When I was going really hard down on the road on La Trobe Parade, I was hating it. Like my feet were burning, um, almost felt like I was getting blisters. Um, but otherwise, aerobically, I was feeling fantastic and I was feeling super fresh and, and actually really comfortable with the pace and confident. Got to halfway and rang the bell really hard and was so thankful for my squad of runners um, that I coach, um, yeah, Jess Dunsmore, Joel McGill, um, yeah, Pete, Pete Dutton, um, Gemma Maney and um, Mattress, um, who I don't coach those two, but just, you know, they're a strong part of the group that we've got down here on the peninsula. And thanks so much just for cheering at that point because, you know, it was kind of cool just knowing you had so many people out there, you know, you know, cheering you on. And, um, you know, that gave me another burst and, I, I just kept steadily, just like one sip at a time, every sort of, you know, three, four, five minutes um, from my flask, just a little sip of the tailwind. And and then um, John and I started the journey back. And after 28K, we reached that in one hour 57. And we knew we were on, like we knew we were on record pace. Like we were averaging 408s, I think at that point, um, 408s to 410s, um, something around that range. So we started the long climb back up to the top of Arthur's seat, saw um, my support crew at the bottom of Arthur's seat and they gave us a good cheer again and and we saw all the other competitors, which was kind of the advantage of the course and saw that we were a long way ahead, probably three or four minutes ahead of second at that point, um, roughly. And yeah, saw Jai Edmonds, so yeah, saw Matt Whitham um, and saw Josh who came third in the end. Um, and yeah, um, so that was kind of reassuring and we're feeling really strong and good and went up the stairs at Arthur, went up the stairs of Arthur's seat and we were really crawling along at this point. Uh, it was pretty hard. It was a 1k climb, really steep. And I felt like we were going so slow. Um, but you can't let that get in your head. You've got to realize that it's 30 k's into this massive run where you've just been going up, down, up, down. 
it's not going to be the smooth, beautiful form that you get in a marathon where you just feel like you're ticking along across the ground and you've got some great rhythm. It's going to be that kind of slog and grind. And, and so we just had to get through it. And I was just proud that I didn't want to walk. Like I've still got that thing where I just don't want to walk. And, and I just slowly chipped away up the hill. And I kind of, you know, in a few of these points, just let John lead um, because, I don't know, I felt a bit of pressure on the single man tracks um, if I was the leader and had someone behind me. Like I felt like he was really good at pushing the pace and I was just good at hanging on and, and keeping him company behind and knowing that I was right behind made him go faster. And Anyway, we swapped leads once we did the uphill and I, <coughs> we caught our breath and then I sort of hit the front and I tried to churn the pace a little bit from there um, along the single track um, on the edge of half a seat. And this is where we passed a lot of the other 56K runners and they were really supportive. We, from here on in, we passed all the 400 people come, coming the other way. Um, and, and, you know, so many people offered so much support. And once again, it was just that energetic um, vibe that like, it helped you so much. And so I was trying to give a bit of support back, but I apologised if I was too focused on my own race. Um, we were tearing along pretty nicely along those stairs and um, I felt like we were just um, really going for it. And then we went through the downhills down towards the dam and they were crazy. My feet were burning again and, and they were really hard on the legs actually. But we really tried to push them and within reason. Got to the edge of half a seat reserve and <clears throat> then got back on the road and through the boardwalk and yeah, down towards... Uh, um, through the back of the Rosebud suburb, suburbia and, um, yeah, eventually back onto Browns Road where um, had the support crew again. And, and this is probably where, um, like, I mean, this is where I won the race and I also got disqualified because um, this is where I, I felt good and John started the drop-off um, along Hislop's Road. Um, John obviously did a shorter prep than me and his muscles were slowly going on him and he was starting to cramp up in his back and hammy. And I still felt strong. I was feeling heavy, like, obviously <clears throat> getting closer to the furthest I've ever run. My legs were starting to get you know, not as responsive and poppy and just sort of, you know, just sort of slowly trudging along for the ride. But I certainly, this is where I made my break and started to um, convincingly sort of get in front and John dropped away. Um, but this is also where I swapped my 500 mil drink bottle at, a bit, what, what is it, 37, 38K. And in a bit of a fatigued kind of state, I was like, oh, I need a Coke let's grab a Coke. And my dad, um, I think had two bottles in his hand and I should have grabbed the 500 mil flask really if I was to, and I knew the rules. Um, I suppose, um, I just been an inexperienced trail runner. I didn't know it was so, um, regulated and I thought a bottle was a bottle at the time. And, and that must've just been the fatigue state because I, I'm sure if I was clear of mind and fresh, I would have been that let's grab the 500 mil and if I wasn't sort of fatigued from having um, – my taste buds were sick of tailwind. I just needed something else. And I knew from past experience with marathons, Coke works well with me. It just gives me that extra little buzz. So I grabbed this maple syrup bottle, 350 mil bottle of uh, Coke at that point, And I used that through Green's Bush until Bonio Road. Um, sort of ran out with 6Ks to go to Bonio Road, so at about – um, 44k and just ran with an empty bottle in my hand um yeah but that 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 
part through Greens Bush was really tough, and that's where I was running by myself. And my pace probably dropped a little. Started hitting four thirties, really, um, instead of the four twenties or four fifteens that I needed. And that started to add up because that was, um, you know, a bit of a lengthy section, about 10 k's of, of running where I was just sort of going through the, the tough little um, undulations and root, rooty kind of um, dirt sort of trails and stairs through Greensbush and, and lost a little bit of time, but still was running pretty strong, to be honest. And um, yeah, got to the stage where it was about 45k, I reckon, and there was a drink station I was like, oh, I need a water, a water, um, because that's by that stage my coke had run out, and I was getting pretty thirsty and tired, and and that sort of like, um, you know, I knew what I was doing, but a little bit of that confused, delirious, desperate state, and then I realised you have to fill your own water. So I was like, no, I'm not waiting for that. I'm trying to get this race record. I'm trying to win this race. I'm not sure how far De- um, uh, Johnny's behind me, and so I, <coughs> um, after putting my maple syrup, but bottle in the bin and going down the course five meters I I tracked back and grabbed my bottle uh, just assuming a bottle was a bottle and I just needed to have a bottle on me and uh, went back probably cost myself you know 10-15 seconds grabbed my bottle out of the bin and and just started panically sort of tearing along the path going come on I can still do this I can still do this meanwhile seeing my average pace slowly (laughs) slowing down so I was still at about 4.16s at one point in there and and slowly it was 4.17, 4.18, 4.19 and then it was 4.20 as I got to Bonio Road or 4.19, 4.20 at Bonio Road and and um I I sort of got through the fence there and um I was like oh I need a coke I need a coke I needed another drink and um uh, so I, I turfed my uh, maple syrup bottle and um, got a 250ml pop top. So once again, like a bottle that was too small for the regulations. Um, and, uh, you know, a rule's a rule. So I didn't have the right bottle. Just um, probably an easy mistake in retrospect that I'll easily be able to correct um, next year if I do it again. Um, you know, I'll just put an empty 500ml flask in the back of my shorts for the whole run and and I'll just do the same same as what I did this year, and it and it won't really matter. Like as long as I've got a five hundred mil flask on me, I'm within the rules. So I'll do that next time. And and so yeah, ended up um you know desperately asking for a coke and <coughs> mattress. My good mate um gave me two white cups, and and he gave me uh, and, uh, and I just assumed that um he was giving me a water because him being a good marathoner, he knows that it's hard to drink out of cups. So as soon as he gave me a cup, I just assumed it was for my head. And that's what I'd been doing previously during the race because um, apples had been giving me cups of water. Just assumed it was a water. And then as soon as I was about to tip it, I saw that it was, oh, geez, this is a murky looking water and slammed a Coke on my head. Um, but, you know, that's pretty typical of marathoning. That's pretty common. And and then um, Sean, my brother, gave me, um, yeah, that little pop top of Coke, grabbed that, and that was awesome to have. Like, I was pretty tired at that point, I think. Um, anyone who saw me at that point could tell I was getting pretty tired. And But at the same time, it was only 6Ks to go, and I knew that last 6Ks going to towards the lighthouse is net downhill. So I kept reminding myself of those positive thoughts, and, and that's what I, I kept trying to do. I just kept trying to either switch off or and, and just enjoy it. And um, and I found switching off and not thinking about how much further I got to go that with three k's ago I've still got those crazy stairs. I was trying to block all that out and just enjoy. 
okay, you know, this is amazing. Look at me. I'm leading the two-base trail run. This is something I've been training for. This is something that I've looked at in past years and gone, geez, how do those guys do that? And here I am leading it. And I was just trying to enjoy that moment. And often when I'm leading a race, it's kind of really good for me because it makes me just, um, I don't know, it gives me that sort of adrenaline, that white line fever, and I run better. And so I was running scared and and that helped. And uh, I uh, once I got past that Bonio Road, I knew there wasn't far to go. So I just kept counting down the Ks. I was like, okay, four Ks to go. Okay, three Ks to go. And and I knew we were about two or three Ks to go. I was going up those stairs. And, and one, I knew it was only going to be a minute 30 of work. And, and I, I knew there was only 90 steps. So that's all I had to do. So I just kept reframing it that it's not much. And once I've done that, I've got 10 minutes to go. And, and I don't have any hard hills. It's pretty much just smooth sailing, um, get to the line kind of stuff. And, and I got up those stairs really well. I didn't have to walk. And, and I reckon um, I was pretty strong up those stairs. And and I really got motoring the last 10 minutes. It's funny what seeing the lighthouse, knowing that you're almost there does and knowing that you're leading a race that you've been training for and you're so close to that record. Like I was looking at my watch and I was like, oh, all I have to do is 419s. Come on, like I'm 420s, I'm 420s. Um, and I know Ash Watson's record was 420s. So I must have just been right at that top end of 420s. And, and uh, you know, I know that he went through halfway in 154, so... And me going through in 157, I closed stronger than Ash, but, you know, probably just left a little bit out there, maybe in the first half. Or maybe it's just a case of I just need to do a few more of these uh, 50k trail runs and then I'd be a bit stronger through the end there and through that middle section through Greens Bush. The Greens Bush part was really interesting. Like with about 16k's to go, I'd done that section in training in the required average pace that I needed to get the record. So, like I'd done it in 418s before and at that point I was still 418s. So in my head I was like, I can do this. But when I did that in training, I hadn't done a hard 40Ks before it at the same pace. I'd done sort of a cruisy two hours at 517s. So it was different in that perspective. And so my legs were a lot heavier this time. I couldn't quite get it done. Um, but I got through the line and I uh, saw the watch was, you know, 57 seconds over, got through the line and got a crazy amount of support over that last 200 meters, saw mum and dad, that was awesome, just tried to give every single person a high five because like the amount of support and the feel that event has was just like, you just got so much energy for it and, you know, maybe I was just had so much adrenaline and, you know, I was I knew at that point I was finally going to do it. Whereas like prior to that last sort of 500, 400 meters, there was so much uncertainty. I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to slow down. Maybe I'm going to not be able to manage the hill. Maybe, you know, something's going to happen. Finally, I knew I was going to do it. So then that was just that. And I was pretty raw at that point. Like when you're pretty stripped back and tired, your emotions are pretty close to the surface. And so yeah, I, I think it was a bit of that sort of second wind you get when you see the line. And I started sprinting towards the line, just trying to get the best time I could and gave everyone a high five. And the best part was I gave Jess a high five, gave Sean, my brother, a high five, you know, and just seeing mum and dad and, and seeing their excited faces and their happy faces, it was pretty um, exhilarating. It's it's what you run for, really. Like um, that amazing feeling you get out there. Like I I felt really fit and and I felt like I was ready, and the and the result came and um 
and it, it felt like I could do it. And whereas like prior to that, when I was training for it, I didn't know if I could. So that's what I ran for. And look, I crossed the line and first thing Rowan sort of said was like, oh, look, Dane, that is an incredible time. Like you should be so happy with that time, but where's your bottle? And, and then I showed him my bottle and it was, you know, that 250 mil pop top. He looked at it and look, it, it was um, outside the regulations and the rules of the race. And that's a rule that they've had. And and I knew that rule, but you know, it, it was it was um, a slip of the mind in a in a fatigue state where I was like, oh, a bottle's a bottle kind of thing, and I thought it wasn't as tightly upheld as it is. Um, it's funny because in a lot of ways, trail running is kind of relaxed and laid back, um, and that sort of like fun, oh, let's just do it kind of participate kind of side of things, and it really does well in that perspective, and so like it's almost like you lapse into that thought of like oh yeah um this doesn't matter either um it's just sort of like as long as you got a bottle you got a bottle it doesn't matter about the size but uh, i understand why they do it it's it's a health and safety thing it's what it's the event has to run um uh like has to be like um get the approval of so many different governing bodies um, and if it's deemed unsafe or, you know, people's lives are in danger, um, then you've got to have rules that give people the confidence that it's going to be safe out there. So, yeah, and no, I totally understand. So, anyway, waited around, you know, until sort of four, four hours and six minutes and then saw Matt, Matt with them come through and he had a great finish. He sort of finished probably as strong as me over the last half we just had that little bit of a lead on him, I suppose, in the first half. So fantastic result from Matt and um, really gutsy. And he ended up passing John in the last K. So I couldn't imagine having a sprint finish over that distance like that. That would have been tough. So, you know, that shows just how mentally tough Matt is. And, and uh, yeah, well done, Matt. Um, great, great result. You should be very proud of that result. He um, ended up having the 500ml bottle, so he got given the win. Um, but um, you look like I wasn't at all um, upset about that. Like, it it was um, like I was just wrapped about the whole event and the feel I got and knowing that I could do something that I didn't think I could do. Johnny came in next at <coughs> four hours and seven minutes, and he struggled a little bit over that last 16K, but with the preparation that he did, he, he's got to be like pretty proud of the effort that he put out there um, on Sunday. Like he was so good to run with for 40Ks with John was, it was a great team effort. I thought <laughs> we helped each other out immensely. Um, and I'll remember this race for a long time um, because of the little head to head that I had with John till 40K and also um, how, how strong we both ran. Um yeah, so that was pretty much, you know, my recount from my end. I, um, you know, then got a quick massage and um, soaked up the the event, had a chat to a lot of people um, and, uh, yeah, just can't, can't commend enough, like, how good the trail running scene is. Um, look, I, I'll probably, um, you know, I, I'll probably do some more of these trail runs um, for sure. Like, I, the original plan was to do um six foot track marathon but unfortunately they're in the blue mountains in new south wales there's been a lot of fires so um i suppose our thoughts must be with those guys that they can sort of um get everything um you know um 
back on track and the event's really an afterthought, isn't it? Um, when the fire, fire, firefighters from there are you know, still busy fighting a lot of the fires um, in regional Victoria and New South Wales. So um, I was going to do that one, but you know, whether that event goes on this year, we'll have to wait and see. Then I was thinking maybe Great Ocean Road Marathon and then um, you know, really get back onto the road running road marathon scene and and the hope was that all this um long sort of distance and and um over distance runs that i've done through december january and hopefully with another trail run prep um will really hold me in good stead for my my back end of my marathon and make me a stronger road marathoner so that's the thought and i think it will like i just felt like my legs are the strongest they've ever been and and Look, I would never would have done it six over forty k runs throughout December and January if I wasn't doing this kind of stuff, and and just by covering that kind of distance will make I reckon the marathon feel um, a little bit shorter, and it'll make my body just tolerate the distance a little bit better. I think so. It's, it can only be good for my marathon in the long term. Uh, and then, like, just at the end also, I just might say that, you know, I caught up with um, another guy I coach or uh, I've just started, you know, he's been turning up to training, um, Bevan. Um, so it was great, like, catching up with another another guy from the squad and, and just catching up with my whole family and getting a photo with them on the podium. It was such a good family thing and, and seeing Jess there at the end. Like, it's, it's just like all of you, you, all of you guys can assimilate with that, can't you? Like, it's... It's that great feeling of an achievement of a goal. You've done something you didn't think you could do. Um, and uh, you've had all these people that have um, gone through all the hard work and training that you've done. And then they've come out and supported you on that day. And they're, they're um, you know, wrapped for you. And even just like having like my mum and my dad there and say some pretty special things, um, you know, that's the stuff that, you know, just means so much. Um, so yeah, that, that that was pretty much my race recap and, and that's the end of this Two Bays Trail series and it's been awesome. I met so many, so many um, cool people from doing it and, um, you know, it really opened up a lot of opportunities um, in many ways. Um, so no, I suppose the next project of the podcast, um, okay, where to from here? I suppose I do, it's always going to be open and it's always going to be whatever sort of excites me the most um uh i, I do want to interview a few coaches so i think i'm going to do a bit of a mini series where i interview a few running coaches and just get a bit of a feel of um, their experiences in running what they value as some of the key principles behind training and running and i think most coaches are really wise and have heaps of cool stories so I want to tackle that next and go over and, and interview like four to six running coaches. And that's probably my next project, to be honest, um, with the podcast. So those interviews will probably, um, you know, be every couple of weeks. And then I'll also interview a few of my athletes still that I'm coaching. A few of them have um, had some great performances recently, like Joel McGill. It's just been so exciting. You know, someone who's come into running with um, the group like four months ago, sort of from a footy winter and missing a good base of running. Very talented guy. Um, and then just just so good to see how he's um, really got on the running bad wagon. He won a team player, and but just like he gets out there each week and he's ticking boxes and, and he had an awesome park run on the weekend and, and uh, yeah, broke 17 minutes for the first time. 
And and then also a new recruit for the, the group, um, Pete Dutton. So I just want to interview him and introduce him to everyone as well. Um, then I'll probably, um, you know, sort of do a build-up with uh, as I go to some other race that I target. But I really want to sit down, enjoy the recovery from this and think about what excites me most. And once the hard, difficult moments of um, two bays have sort of slipped from my memory, I think I'll be more easy, like, in a better situation to sort of go, oh, yeah, you know, this marathon excites me and I'll forget about how hard they are. <laughs> um, so that's it for me. I think that I hope that recap was nice and enjoy, enjoyable. I hope you enjoyed the ride. Um, thanks so much to everyone who reached out to me on Instagram, Facebook and Strava. Like though, all that support uh, was, you know, was really cool. And, um, you know, it just shows what a good sport running is. Um, that such a community. And I think I'm trying to promote that. I'm trying to show that running can be cool and is fun and, and there are, is a team of people and support of people out there. So don't feel alone as a runner. And there is a future for runners in running. Um, so, yeah, I think um, my experiences with this um, race in itself um, and my experiences as a runner as a whole, um, like it, it really shows that there, there is a there is a, a, an amazing group of people in the running community and, and I just want to show people that they, that, that community exists um, and, um, you know, um, it's great. It's just like a footy team. It, it, that's why football is so successful, I reckon, and team sports are so successful because you've got other people sharing the journey and I think that's the key. If you have other people sharing the journey, then you, don't, you, can, you can have a laugh or you can console um, other people along the way and um, you don't feel alone and you, so if you feel alone you're more likely to just stop um, or it's it's not significant anymore um, and yeah it's a sport that teaches you so much um, with everyday life so I, I think not only that that it teaches you some great sort of you know teaches you discipline persistence patience um, it teaches you what hard work does um, but yeah, there's the, then there's the health effects of running as well. So anyway, I've, I've blabbered on well and truly far enough. And, um, anyway, I'll be back, uh, next week, um, with my next little project with the coach interviewing the coaches and also interviewing a few of my athletes. And, and I'll also have a bit of a chat with where to next with my running. All right. Um, chat to you all soon. Thanks for the support and keep enjoying your running. All right. Bye. A quick plug just to finish, I'm actually a running physiotherapist by trade, so I've been a physiotherapist since 2009, so a good 10 years now. I work from Southern Suburbs Physio Centre in Parkdale three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then I also work from home in Frankston on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So if you want to book in with me at Southern Suburbs, just go onto the Southern Suburbs website online or call 95842000. And if you want to book with me on at home in Frankston, then just go to my website and you can book online. Uh, a bit about my experience as a running physiotherapist, I've gone on the last six years of World Cross Country teams. So that's a, 
event that's on every two years. So I've done the last three versions of that um, as the physiotherapist for the Australian team at the World Cross Country. So the, last year I went to Denmark, I've been to Uganda and I've been to China with that team. I've also been to Flagstaff three times in 2015, 16 and 19 as a physiotherapist for um, a, a distance running camp funded by AFS Australia. Last year it was mainly consisted of the Paralympic distance team that were training for the Doha World Championships. So I've had a lot of experience with elite runners and through my experience at the clinic, I have, my caseload now is about 60% runners. So I've either seen most running injuries or had most running injuries myself. And so I, I now am quite a competent running physiotherapist and I back myself in terms of you know, most injuries and, and knowing what to do and, and diagnosing and, and uh, yeah, so if you've got any running pains or troubles that are really getting you down, then don't feel afraid to give me a call. All right, that's enough from me. See you guys.